Our scripture passage from today comes from 1 Kings chapter 3, verses 3 through 14. Hear the word of the Lord. Solomon loved the Lord, walking in the statutes of his father, David. Only he sacrificed and offered incense at the high places. The king went to Gibeon to sacrifice there, for that was the principal high place. Solomon used to offer a thousand burnt offerings upon that altar. At Gibeon, the Lord appeared to Solomon in a dream by night, and God said, Ask what I should give you. And Solomon said, You have shown great and steadfast love to your servant, my father, David, because he walked before you in faithfulness, in righteousness, and in uprightness of heart toward you. And you have kept for him this great and steadfast love and have given him a son to sit on his throne today. And now, O Lord, my God, you have made your servant king in place of my father, David, although I am only a little child. I do not know how to go out or come in, and your servant is in the midst of the people whom you have chosen, a great people so numerous they cannot be numbered or counted. Give your servant, therefore, an understanding mind to govern your people, able to discern between good and evil, for who can govern this, your great people? It pleased the Lord that Solomon had asked this. God said to him, Because you have asked this and have not asked for yourself long life or riches or for the life of your enemies, but have asked for yourself understanding to discern what is right, I now do according to your word. Indeed, I give you a wise and discerning mind. No one like you has ever been, and no one like you shall rise after you. I give you also what you have not asked, both riches and honor, all your life. No other king shall compare with you. If you walk in my ways, keeping my statutes and my commandments as your father David walked, then I will lengthen your life. This is the word of God for the people of God. Thanks be to God. Let us pray. O God, may the words of my mouth The meditations of all our hearts be holy and acceptable in your sight, for you are our strength and our redeemer. Amen. Wisdom. What a word. What a concept, especially in our day and time when wisdom seems to be quite scarce. The main character of our biblical text, Solomon, is known as one of the wisest men throughout all scripture. And the prayer that he prays in this written encounter with the divine is one of the more well-known stories of biblical literature. It's easy to read this passage and focus only on Solomon's prayer for wisdom. It is, after all, the primary theme of his very existence, but When we focus so much on Solomon's prayer, we tend to gloss over the other important details in this text. It's easy to think that wisdom is granted to Solomon only because of the words he uttered in prayer. But if we look a little bit closer, 
we will see that this beautiful thing called wisdom has been a part of Solomon's life all along. This thing called wisdom is generational, intersecting with the old and new, the traditional and the unconventional, the past, the present, and the future. The most common reading of this text gives Solomon a lot of credit. Not that it's unwarranted, He truly is a wealth of humility and wisdom, and we see all of this in his prayer. The fact that he prayed for a wise and discerning mind over everything else, this proves that Solomon had an idea of the bigger picture, an awareness of his new reality and what his role in it was going to be. And so the writer of our text conveys to us Solomon's glory for praying for the right thing, And because he prayed for the right thing, God is pleased with him and not only grants him wisdom and a discerning mind to understand what is good and what is evil, but God also grants him the things he didn't ask for. A long life, riches, honor, and glory among the people, the whole nine yards. This prayer seems to be the ticket to a lot of great things, which is probably why we focus so much on the words Solomon prayed rather than everything else in the text. It makes sense, really. Some of us may find ourselves in awe that Solomon prayed for wisdom instead of, I don't know, something that would make his life a lot easier. Co-workers, the obliteration of his enemies, the miraculous power to make everyone agree with each other, if we can imagine such a miracle. But no, he prays for wisdom and discernment, things that will perhaps make his life a bit more difficult. Some of us may also wrestle with the charge for us to be a little bit more like Solomon and ask God for wisdom instead of all the other things that we tend to ask for. I personally, as someone who hates conflict, would probably never pray for wisdom if I had God's direct listening ear because making wise decisions is a surefire way to make some people mad. And then you're just going to be stuck in the middle of fighting people. Some of us may also, secretly or not, hope that maybe, just maybe, if we pray for the right thing like Solomon did, that God will bless us with all the stuff that we want, that we feel too selfish to ask for. Maybe if we pray a little more like Solomon, we'll be more likely to get those things that we actually want. This prayer is one filled with wisdom both in Solomon's desire to ask for it and the wisdom that God bestows upon him that follows. But as we look more closely at the text, we see that this entire passage is filled with wisdom. And we see what wisdom actually looks like, lived out in the faith. There are many details that get overlooked that contribute to this wealth of wisdom in the passage. The first of these lies in the very first verse. Solomon loved the Lord, walking in the statutes of his father, David. We all know that David was the problematic problematic yet dearly loved servant of God, and that even in all of David's shortcomings, he sought to please the divine. So for Solomon to walk in David's statutes means that the desires of David's heart and faith had been passed down to Solomon. The faith that David lived in real time had been taught and passed on to Solomon. 
Another detail that gets overlooked is Solomon's own personal relationship to the divine. Verse 4, for instance, in our passage, informs us that Solomon went to Gibeon to offer sacrifices to God. And that he used to offer thousands of burnt sacrifices upon that very altar. So we see that Solomon has his own relationship with God, not just what had been passed down to him through his father. He had taken ownership of the faith that his father had taught him. But in addition to learning about Solomon's own faith, we read a bit of nostalgia in this verse because of the past tense of the, of the language. The altar at Gibeon had obviously been a significant and sacred place to Solomon. And how remarkable that in this old holy place, God meets him there still in a dream to offer Solomon whatever his heart desired. We know that the text goes on to show us Solomon praying for a wise and discerning mind to lead the great nation of Israel, God's own chosen people who had lived the faith of his father, David, who had operated in this communal life of faith and wisdom and passed it on to their children. Through these details, we see that faith and wisdom are lived and passed on through the community of faith, the traditions of our elders, that wisdom has been sought after and passed down throughout the ages and generations of God's people. So why does this matter? Why is this significant? What difference does it make as we read our text this morning? Throughout the whole of this passage, we see that the wisdom Solomon asks for, this divine wisdom, is generational. It runs deep within the veins of faith for Solomon, his father David, and the entire nation of Israel. Through these small literary details that often get overlooked, we see that the divine wisdom Solomon seeks is wisdom that is past, present, and future. The mention of Solomon's father, David, is not just a representative of a faith passed down, but it is symbolic for how God worked in the past. We know that God did incredible things in and through David. And so the text encourages us to acknowledge God's work in the past throughout all of history. For us today, I think this means that we value how God worked in and through people who established the traditions of our faith. Especially as United Methodists, we are a denomination that understands God through several lenses. Scripture and tradition, experience and reason. This is one of the core tenets of our faith, that the creeds of, that the church fathers worked so tirelessly to establish speak to what we believe as God's people. The church, though it is flawed and broken and imperfect, was created and passed down to us by those who established religious and spiritual traditions. For us, this is the past, but we also recognize that for the saints who went before us, that it was their present. They were seeking the wisdom of God in real time in order to establish something that would hopefully outlast them. Just as we recognize and acknowledge God's work in the saints who established the traditions we practice today, the writer of our text acknowledges God's work in Solomon's father David, the wisdom he possessed in the faith of Israel that he passed down to his son. We recognized that 
the mention of the place Gibeon is also significant to understanding God's work in history. And from the brief description of Gibeon from the writer, we can understand it to be a holy place, an old holy place, a place where Solomon went to experience and worship God. Some of us have those places, don't we? Those places where we can't quite put our finger on it, but there's just something sacred about being there. There's something holy that surrounds us when we're there. Maybe it's an old sanctuary. Maybe it's this sanctuary where you were baptized and brought into God's holy covenant, where you took your first communion and tasted the bitter sweetness of God's holy sacrament, where you were joined to someone in marriage before your family, your friends, and the people who raised you up to be the person you had become. Maybe it's not a church at all. Perhaps it's an old summer campground, a place where the morning fog gently hovers above the lake as the stillness of morning is broken by the chirping of birds, the wisp of the wind, and the ripples of water. Maybe it's a shoreline that smells like salt water and seagrass, where the sun kisses your face and the ocean tickles your toes. Maybe it's a tree you climbed as a child that always reminded you that there was something bigger out there in the world. For me, it's a piano bench shared with my mother as she practiced her preludes for Sunday morning worship and we laughed together as I used my seven-year-old little fingers to try and play along to Bach. (laughs) Whatever place it is that you have experienced the divine in some way, that's the kind of place Gibeon is for Solomon. And how appropriate that God still meets him there in that old, holy place. But here's the remarkable thing. Solomon, as the new king of Israel, represents the very future of the nation. Solomon, in his youth, acknowledges how God has worked in the past and the people he is now charged with leading. And he looks ahead to how in the world he's going to do this. As he does that, he simply prays for the wisdom that had led him to this place to lead him forward toward Israel's future. Because he has looked back at how God has worked and brought him to this very place, knowing and experiencing God's faithfulness in the past, Solomon knows that he must now look ahead to what God longs to do next. So he prays for a wise and discerning mind to lead the people of Israel into God's hopeful future for them. Solomon longs to lead Israel with the wisdom of his past, his present, and his future. I think we have a lot to learn from this passage. We certainly learn to pray for wisdom and discernment, but we learn a lot about how it would look to implement this search for wisdom into our daily lives. Think of what the world would look like if we as a society sought the wisdom of the past, present, and future. All ages and generations would listen to the stories of each other. They would acknowledge that they can learn from one another. People my age would listen to the stories of those who had gone before us. We would seek to understand the ways of life of those who've lived through different experiences. 
We would know that those who've gone before us can provide us with a hopeful perspective. And the people, the ages of my parents and my grandparents would share their wisdom and perhaps put their hope in us, confident that we've learned from the past and seek to make the present and the future a better place. We would raise up children and teenagers and young adults and older adults who seek to listen to each other and learn from one another and acknowledge that each generation possesses the gift of wisdom. Think of what the church could look like if we as the church universal sought the wisdom of the past, present, and future. The traditions of the church would be taught and revered and they would be energized by the fresh minds and hearts that learn them. Think of what we would look like as Madison UMC if we sought the wisdom of the past, the present, and the future. In the midst of this great transition, we acknowledge how God has worked throughout the church's history. And friends, it is a magnificent one. And because we know that God is faithful and has been faithful and is still longing to impart wisdom, we look ahead toward the new things that God is longing to do. We as God's people have experienced divine wisdom through those who've gone before us. The holy places that we have encountered, God, and through this very moment here in worship as we look ahead to the future. Maybe we as a church or we as individuals feel a lot like Solomon in his anxiety of the great task that is before us. But in our fear or in our uncertainty, I pray that we are comforted by God's work in our past to bring us to this point, that we are assured of God's presence that goes before us and with us as we walk forward in God's call. So may we, like Solomon, pray for a wise and discerning mind to do the will of God with the help of the wisdom through the ages. In the name of the Father, and of the Son, and of the Holy Spirit. Amen. Let us pray. Oh God, we give you thanks for the ways in which you have worked in our past as individuals and as a community of faith. We acknowledge your presence and the movement of your spirit and the ways you awakened our hearts and minds to you. As we are here in this present moment, open our eyes once more to experience you now and to what you long to do in our future. May you give us wise and discerning minds to walk into your will. We ask all these things in the name of Christ, our Lord. Amen.